0: Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of MediBet Roundtable. I want to thank you all for tuning in each week and participating. This podcast has been a great success so far, and we owe that to you guys, our great partners. A couple of announcements before we get started. On July 24th, we're hosting a webinar-style CE event. If you're interested in attending, you can give us a call at 859-885-7111. Also, I'm excited to announce that we are doing a formal launch of our new lab space on August 23rd, partnering with our local Humane Society and a local radio show. should be a great day for everybody, so anyone interested in checking out our new lab space are also welcome and encouraged to join us. So let's get into our conversation for the evening. I have Dr. Larry Snyder on with me, and uh, Dr. Snyder is a seasoned stem cell veteran here to answer your questions. And the topic we kind of want to loosely focus on uh, for this episode is our spay neuter program which has really taken off here in the last few months. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, we call our spay-neuter program Bank Now, Save Later. And it's really simple to integrate into your routine, uh, spay-neuters. And And all you really got to do is remove a sample of adipose fat during the procedure and send it back to us, and then we do the rest. The patients will then have stem cells banked for the rest of their lives to retrieve should a health issue arise. So, Dr. Snyder, I'm going to let you kick it off and kind of talk about the benefits of a Bank Now, Save Later program.
1: there we go. Um, The newer newer generation of pet owners, we need to modify kind of our thought process as far as how we're going to present this to them. And I think that presents a very, very attractive option, I would think. And as a millennial, Dylan, maybe you can, would that appeal to you as a millennial?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and like I said, it's always... Uh, you're always thinking of that that proactive way that you can protect yourself for for something that may occur in the future, right? And that's something that appeals to millennials greatly, like you just said. Um, yeah. So certainly, something like having, you know, a minimal 150 dollars cost spread over the course of you know years is worth it to myself, a millennial, in order to protect the life of my pet in the future. Uh, right. So it definitely makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I think. I think we're going to have to look at it's it's a marketing it's a marketing move. I get that, um, but in light of of the the new pet owners and what they're in or what they're they're wanting, I think it I think it uh, stem cells fit right into it. So that's kind of the the uh, the big thing or the big message that I see on the on the span neuter banking. I think is an ideal time to get these cells. We know that cells from young animals are going to be, are going to be, well, they're going to be young because they're, they're frozen. They're going to have a a lot more potential divisions in them. They're going to have a lot more, I guess, youth packaged in them. So they're going to have a lot more of the useful factors. So I think those are all going to be positives for the animal. So you would Not say it does,
0: you would say it does increase the viability of the cells then by harvesting them at a younger age.
1: Absolutely. With, uh, Um, In the lab that I work in, we work with umbilical cord. We work with umbilical cord cells. And the reason that umbilical cord stem cells are so attractive is because they're, they, they're differentiating or they're differentiated cells, but they're closer to being pluripotent cells than uh, let's say um, cells from a 15 year old dog. They're, they, maybe that, there's still stem cells in that 15 year old dog, and we know that they work, but I've got a feeling that these, uh, the stem cells from younger, the younger animal are going to be a little bit more potent, so to speak. And that's kind of the direction that, uh, that human medicine is going in as far as, um, the studies, uh, doing graft versus host disease. That's why they're doing human umbilical cord cells and treating those. Um, and those what are allerg-
0: would you, what would you say about the the yield or, or concentration of the cells in younger patients?
1: Oh, ab, Is it likewise there? almost almost exponentially greater numbers of cells in uh, in younger animals, because once again those cells are differentiating, but they're all they're all very um, the the animals growing, and uh, they're they're going to go ahead and be more of them there. The, they haven't differentiated terminally, especially with, the, with the, the fat, when we're looking at fat, because we've got a lot of pericytes, a lot of the adipocytes, the, the fat cells probably not so much, but the, uh, the pericytes, the, the cells that line these blood vessels are the, the, the ones that a lot of people consider to be the, the if you want to call them a primary stem cell, uh, out of this stromal vascular fraction, I think the pericytes are going to be one of the more active ones, um, probably a little more active in secreting, a little more active in um, uh, uh, especially secretion of VGF, the vascular growth factor. Um, so those are all going to be, be, be very positive in, uh, in most of these conditions that we will be treating. So having stem cells from that animal when he was a young animal should be very beneficial.
0: Would you say it's almost of a greater benefit to the younger animal uh, than an older animal?
1: As far as collection of them, of course, uh, uh, much easier on the animal. All of us, all, every veterinarian that's done that's, uh, spays or neuters know that the, the young animal, these these animals are a year old, six months old. Now we're, we're delaying spays and neuters until the dogs have uh, have reached their um, their physical maturity or their skeletal maturity before uh, um, we spay or neuter. Those animals recover from surgery much faster. They handle it much better than than, let's say, a 10- or 12-year-old dog. And I think all of us have been to the point where you're doing surgery on those older animals. They eat, and surgery affects them a lot a lot harder than it does when they were younger. So, I think that it's going to be much easier on the animal. We're going to get much better. We're going to get much better cells that are going to be much more active as far as uh, regeneration. And now that we've seen, you know, and we talk a lot uh, at these on these webinars about what we're using these for. Especially, I think we're heading pretty rapidly to where for torn cruciates i think we're going to be looking at uh at stem cells as being a very attractive option to uh to surgical reconstruction of these torn cruciates um we have a number of
0: those uh, of those successful cases that we've brought up on previous podcasts as well
1: absolutely it's uh We're seeing so many, so many people that are doing it. We had Anne England on last month, Anne talking about all of the things that she's using stem cells for and PRP for. She is one of the most proactive and active veterinarians as far as in the stem stem cell field. She's fearless, but I think the reason she's fearless is she's seen, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Nothing, and she's having just amazing. Um, I just, well, not only that Southern accent, who, who doesn't fall in love with that Southern accent, <laughs> but, but, she just, uh, she is fearless in, in attacking, looking at it. Well, does it seem like it's reasonable to use stem cells? Okay. Yeah. It seems reasonable. And she uses it and she finds that it's, that it's very, very beneficial for these, uh, for these cases. Gosh, for for feline pancreatitis, for wounds, for these, uh, she talked uh, about the degloving wounds, uh, and she she really didn't get into that last uh, last month as deep as what we have in some previous uh, conversations with her on these degloving wounds of how fast uh, just using PRP on those can can get attachment. Um, Dr. Murnan, who's uh, been on a webinar several, several months ago was talking about it in horses and how beneficial it is for these degloving wounds and talking about injecting uh, injecting PRP-IP on her pancreatitis, these chronic pancreatitis cats, um, the IBD cats that, uh, um, I can't remember, has Ann done some IBD cats? I know she was looking for some to do.
0: I think she was, she said she was looking for one.
1: Yep because um, there have been people that have done cons- a, a number of IBD um, cats with positive results. She's a uh, kidney kidney disease in cats is amazing. Um, in my opinion, a lot that uh, cats respond a lot more. It, it, it has a lot more benefit in cats and it seems to in dogs. And I don't know quite why, unless the dogs are a lot um a lot more stoic about kidney disease, maybe. Um, there's just so many, so many things. I've, we've, I've gotten phone calls on on immune-mediated hemolytic anemia, IMHA, about use of stem cells in those or thrombocytic anemias. Um, it's not going to be our first line because the first line with those is going to be just stabilizing the animal, uh, keeping them alive, keeping them from bleeding to death. But I think stem cells are going to play a, a part as far as maybe 30 day or when the animal can safely have fat collected to get the cells, get them into the animal. I think we're going to be getting these animals off of steroids more rapidly and probably end up um, keeping them off a, a lot less relapses.
0: Can you we're doing, uh, can you get into that? Do you mind to get into that immune um, immune mediated hemolytic anemia case again? Because I know you talked to Dr. in about that one. Am I correct on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I, you know the the in in my way of my way of looking at it, um, I have not treated one. I have not treated one. As I as I look, you know, you try to you try to go through pluses and minuses, and as I talk talk to the the, the other veterinarians, it's like, well, you know, we've got a dog that's that's bleeding. You're certainly not going to, or is thrombocyte depleted. Yeah, You're certainly not going to cut that animal. You're not going to harvest fat on that animal while they're in a hemolytic crisis. You're going to get them stabilized. You're going to use steroids. You're going to use whatever it takes to get that animal stabilized. But as soon as that animal is stable enough to harvest fat, get the fat, process it, do an IV dose, do the 5 to 10 million cells IV on that animal and then if we need to in 30 days repeat it but see if we can get these animals off of steroids the the one thing with both those conditions it's kind of notorious is the relapses you get them tapering you're tapering them off of the off of the steroids the dog's doing well and you come down you're about to take them off and they, they go into another crisis usually the second time isn't so easy to bring them back from so if we can come up with something that's going to take and stabilize those animals, I think it's going to be very positive. And I think stem cells are going to be the answer, I think going to be the answer, because they're so immune modulatory. They're going to reset that immune system. It's not going to be one that's going to be the, as rapid as we see with arthritis. We're seeing immune systems that may take months to even a year to see benefit. We've talked about that with the, uh, with the atopy dogs. Dr. Newland in Arizona has had extremely good, like extremely rapid results on the study we did at K-State, and it may just be the antigen differences. We had not I can't say that we had numerous dogs because I haven't I haven't been able to follow up on that, but I know of at least one because it's a client's dog, my own client's dog, that had terrible, had to be terrible allergies, and they received the stem cells. The owner felt that it was a failure because the dog was still 30 days, 60 days afterwards was still having trouble with itching and allergies. But the following year, the dog was perfect and has remained
0: perfect since then. And that's, we're going on three years now. So it may very well be the case that the, the dog isn't a non-responder, just the fact that you need yep. to wait a little bit longer. It might take the dog Correct. a little longer to respond.
1: A little longer to respond. Same thing with these cats with his... With uh, the gingivitis or the stomatitis that we're seeing um, I've had one and dr. bridge has talked about one that he had that was we considered them to be non-responders he saw the cat the next year the cat's mouth was perfect it may be that we're we're asking too much on these immune diseases to be to be perfect in 30 to 60 days it may take longer We've treated some, some Pimpicus cases, great cases to do, but they may take long. Some of them we've had, we've had um, immune mediated polyarthritis case that literally it's almost like you stand there and watch the skin. And, I mean, this dog had terrible skin, sparse hair. Um, it was a Newfoundland, sparse hair, just, just terrible almost like you stand there and watch the skin improve the health of the skin almost <laughs> as you watched it literally by the time we took the stitches out in 14 days i think we used staples in 14 days um, the skin was just amazingly better hair growth and that was one that was one dose and 17 months and the dog did very very well but these immune mediated mediated diseases when you stop and look at it, what else do we have medically to take and use? You can do You can do. You can do steroids. Um, I don't think those are a treatment as much as they are a patch. They're a band aid. They don't seem to. They don't seem to, to cure the the condition. They just make it better and make it tolerable. Certainly, long-term use of steroids—everybody knows that long-term use of steroids is is not a um, <laughs> a very positive alternative. But um, so immune diseases—if you haven't, if veterinarians haven't tried stem cells on an immune case, please try. We had. I was trying to think, uh, a celium. It's one that my, the clinic that I used to own treated that dog not too long ago. Uh, I had recommended stem cells, and that's another thing with stem cells. You can recommend it. The owners may not go for it then, but down in the future, it's in the back of their mind, so always put it out to them, even if they don't go for it. This is a celium that I originally felt that the dog probably was a pemphigus case. And we biopsied the dog, sent it to Antec. Antec came back that they couldn't definitively call it a Pimpagus case, but they found one Demodex. So they felt that it was a Demodex case, one Demodex. So they suggested that we treat the dog for Demodex. So they went ahead and treated the dog for Demodex. The dog didn't respond um, so six months later, was still fighting the same thing. So they elected to do um, stem cells. So I'm waiting to see how that did. Uh, that was probably about 30 days ago. So we should, I'll, I'll ask them when I'm in, in again this Friday on how things are going with that dog. But- And then you'll are, have to update us next month. Absolutely. Those uh, Those dogs are ones to where, that's the third, fourth one we've treated and like I said, don't, don't, and so much of this is, is giving the owner realistic expectations as far as what they can expect. It's, uh, on any of these immune diseases, I'd be very cautious on telling me, yeah, it's going to be 30 days, the dog's going to be perfect. Always hedge your bets on those that it may take longer. We may need to go in and do the first dose when we harvest the fat. Come back in in 30 days and repeat, and if necessary, 30 days after that. But it may take time to go ahead. What we're looking for is over the long, long haul. We're uh, we're wanting to go ahead and re, I guess, reboot this immune system. And stem cells seem to have uh, a really, really good record of doing this. Uh, like I was talking about um, in humans, graft versus Host disease, which is where the immune system is attacking the uh, the bone marrow stem cell transplant, where that transplant's attacking the body. Terrible disease, especially when you get into these steroid refractory graft versus host disease, to where the to where the 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 immune system is destroying the, it'll destroy the liver the kidneys and the skin. And literally, if you've seen pictures of these refract, and it's very low, low percentage of these people when they're in steroid refractory or multi-drug refractory graft versus host it's like an 80% chance they're going to die. And stem cells yes. works really well. And if we think that it's expensive to treat our pets with stem cells, For one treatment of this graft versus host disease, I I know because I've been involved, is close to five hundred thousand dollars. And that's, but of course, for for human diseases or for graft versus host disease as an only option, um, not such a bad option even at a half million dollars. So we've got some we've got some things that we can use it on. Once again, arthritis is a gimme. Kidney disease, definitely with cats. Dogs, I think maybe um, with kidney disease and dogs, it may be something that we need to be looking at doing sooner rather than later. Maybe when these dogs are in an earlier stage of kidney disease, Iris 2, Iris 3, <coughs> definitely Iris 3, but maybe we need to be getting these on board a lot earlier or offering it as an option a lot earlier. Rather than as a last ditch um, option, Um, Anne was looking at or Anne was talking about um, pancreatitis in the cats, and she uses PRP alone. I think on these chronic pancreatitises in dogs as well, we need to be thinking about these IV IP on these. Um, The certainly the the German Shepherd with these perianal fistulas. We've treated we've treated those those respond really really well with just IV use and then this the dog that I'm thinking of this was a dog that had been on tons of steroids for a long period of time and essentially trashed the liver and as luck would have it we needed the stem cells over Christmas <laughs> it's always the case of what happens and so we couldn't get him to the dog soon enough and we lost the dog but um, the dog was doing very well um, on the cells. So that's another one to, to kind of keep in the back of your mind as far as, as something to do. Uh, of course, we talked a little bit about uh, the use of, of the stem cells in cruciate tears. By all means, consider that or offer that offer that to people. I think everyone that's that has been involved with either the TTAs or the TPLOs or whatever the new ones are called, um, it's almost guaranteed arthritis and it doesn't take long for arthritis to form on those. Uh, Maybe we can offer the stem cells as an attractive option for that, or maybe stem cells at the time of the surgery to try to delay the arthritic uh, progression. But, those are just some things that uh, that are running down through my through my mind on that, Dylan. So well, well no,
0: awesome. no, it, it truly is a it truly is amazing the variety of applications that we're finding uh, as yep. we continue to use stem cells to help treat these animals. And I do wanna I do wanna make a point and kind of take us back to the bank now save later program. You know, by uh-huh. by banking these cells early. Uh, this gives pet owners the ability to take advantage of the ever-evolving, endless possibilities for stem cell treatments in the future. Uh, you know, cells those, are those would be the ones. Those, yeah, those, one those would be the
1: one for IMHA. Dylan, those would be the ones to think about for the IMHA. If they're already banked, yeah, get them into the dog earlier. You don't have to do surgery. All you have to do is get them in. Get them reconstituted. Of course, you need, <laughs> you're going to need to do a venous stick, and um, that may be a little bit of a of a challenge on some of these too. But anyway, and and tears, you've already got the young cells,
0: and so it almost makes it a no-brainer at that point because
1: it, at it, it that point it
0: does, <laughs> most definitely does. I mean, most can definitely. you can, can you think of personally an animal that maybe you wished had the opportunity to take advantage of the bank now, save later? <laughs> Uh, I, I talked about
1: the 19-year-old German Shorthair. I, I don't know if if uh, have
0: have I. We covered it a little bit on the first episode.
1: Yeah, Coco. Coco's was 19-year-old German Shorthair, or 18-year-olds when 18-year-old when we saw him. And I, the owner, we were kind of reluctant, but you know, she talked us into doing it, and we did a small kit. And because I figured, what are the chances that an 18-year-old is going to need to bank? And the dog did great, was doing great. The following year, the owner's end wanted to repeat stem cells on the dog. Ah, Lesson learned, bank everything.
0: <laughs> always bank, is that the message? Folk.
1: Bank now, bank now. You can always, you know, the, the, everyone, everyone that banks runs into the same quandary, Dylan, as we did. You've got 10 doses setting there on a 10-year-old dog. How how many of them do you use? Do you go ahead and use all of them? If you need to do them once a month or 10 months, do you go ahead and do that? Or do you kind of hedge thinking the dog's going to live longer so you spread them out a little bit more, but you don't want the dog to die before you use all of the stem cells? But you, you, don't
0: use,
1: yeah, you don't want to use the last dose of stem cells and then have the dog go another six months and need another dose. And you've used all of them earlier. So that's always the quandary. If they had a, if they had a use by date on them um, that if the dog had a use by date, it'd be great, but we don't
0: anyway. Sure. sure. And, and how, how do you make, how do you generally make those determinations for oh, anybody yeah. listening that might, uh, might have a, might have a question like that?
1: it's really for, for me it, it was always the one where i'd you're always talking to the owner i was go okay we've got this many doses um, the dog is a 10 12 year old dog now let's say he's got a, we've got a spondylosis dog um, we are giving him give it to him epidurally um, do an iv do an iv dose we've got five doses left the dog's dog's 12 13 years old you go ahead and do one. You'd, you'd probably like to do those. Uh, if the dog's improving, come back in 30 days and repeat it. Um, but the owner needs to be involved as far as what does, what does the owner want to do. And um, we, we try to kind of put our heads together and come up with a, with a mutual agreement of what would be the best for the animal. Sure. And so far, usually it ends up that we end up burning a dose or two of cells as far as sales we didn't use before i I tend to be conservative that way and i tend to advise the client the same way so like i was telling talking about before you've got to take and you've got to take and enter all of these decisions with the the owners kind of making the decisions and you're kind of guiding them but yeah, certainly. That's worked. That's worked well for me, anyway, because the owners, owners appreciate that. I'm not. I'm kind of giving them what I would do, and they uh, they respond to that very well. And, and yeah, all of them do the right thing.
0: Doctor Snyder was uh, I was interested in another question. Are there any breeds of dogs or cats that are better candidates for Bank Now Save Later? Uh, I mean, like make a determination like, let's say, uh, you have a German Shepherd coming in for a spay neuter. Uh, ultimately, that dog is almost destined to have arthritis yes. at some point. Would you say yep. to the pet owner, hey, the you know, likelihood of your dog getting arthritis is higher. Maybe you should look into this Bank Now Safe Later program. Maybe Every that's large breed.
1: Market it. Oh. Every large breed. Every large breed right now, uh, same thing with insurance, with pet insurance. Uh, every large breed should be considering pet insurance and should be considering the, the spay, the spay now and, and uh, get the cells at the same time. I think that's a, to me, it's a no brainer. Um, every, it seems like every large breed is going to have some musculoskeletal problem at some point in their life. And we might as well be prepared for it. Um, So the large breeds, number one, because of the, because of the cruciate tears, hip problems, just because of their size. Small breeds, you're kind of into the same thing as far as the, the, um, uh, luxating patellas. Um, it, it again is another, another one to where, and usually the people with the toy, toy breeds tend to be maybe a little, little more likely to, um, Like I was saying, Chazzy, the little, the little uh, poodle, um, there tend to be a. I can't say that they're more attached to the, to a lot of the little toy breeds than the than the people with the large breeds, but there certainly is a lot of attachment um, with the toy breeds. So, to me, any of them that are being spayed or neutered, ideal time to get it. It should be a fairly straightforward conversation with the owner especially like we were talking about with the millennials, just kind of, you know, this might be a, a kind of, you can sell, if we're talking about selling it, you can sell that fairly easily, like we were talking about Dylan as a millennial, as a, this is an opportunity to go ahead and have the sales there. You're going to avoid some some uh, sticker shock later on. Uh, why don't we do this? And if it's one to where we could roll it into the, roll it into the cost of the spare neuter to where it's a package deal, I think that's a, I think that would be a fairly straightforward thing to
0: do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Dr. Snyder, I have a, I have a couple processing questions here for you that, that have come sure. in from, from technicians. Um, so how do you know how much PRP to add to your stem cell bile retrieval? <laughs>
1: I'm, it, it depends on where they it depends on where the cells are going. I'm a big believer Big believer in using every drop of PRP or trying to squeeze extra PRP out. If I'm in, going IV, extra PRP has no effect. So on our cells, we'll go ahead and dilute to the full vial. You're supposed to. Any leftover PRP I use for any injections, if we're doing joint injections, if we're doing paravertebral injections,
0: um,
1: I'm diluting my dosages of, of stem cells that I'm using on, on those sites with as much PRP as I can. I think PRP is an amazing product. In fact, on some of these large dogs where we've got these, uh, these paravertebral injections, and it might well be worth getting an extra kit on a large dog where you can take that amount of blood, get extra blood, get some extra PRP. If you don't use the entire kit, you can always freeze it. And come back, uh, because you can store that in just a regular minus 20 freezer for 90 days. And that was Dr. Rovner's thing with with the the cruciate tears, was he always kept, he always had an extra kit, harvested the PRP, froze it. And then when the dog came back in, it's uh, it's suture removal at 14 days. If the dog was not progressing to what Dr. Rovner felt that they should... He injected the knees with PRP, same thing at 30 days. So you could take and already have it stored. You don't have to collect more or process more. So you can take and use it for that 90-day period. Like I said, I'm a big believer in it. I'll dilute and use as much PRP as I can on the on the peripheral injections. Like I said, the IV injections, it's going to be diluted in the bloodstream anyway, other than just a carrier to get it uh, um, into your into your fluids, you're giving them. Uh, the IV your,
0: injection is actually a question that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just—is there like a range of how much you should do for a small dog or a large dog, or is it just like you said, just kind of across the board? You want to dilute it as much as possible.
1: And I—I tend to use—I'll tend to use as much PRP as I can. And I, I mean, on a small dog, I, I have no problem putting a mill. Putting a mill, in, you're not going to hurt. You're not going to hurt anything on cats. On cats, I know Dr. England talked about uh, PRP causing some asthma-like asthma-like uh, uh, problems. So she went ahead, and what did she use on this? She talked about what she was uh, starting on orally, um, one of the anti-asthma drugs. And uh, on dogs, we don't see that. So I don't think there there should be any problem with IP injections. Certainly, if you can, on um, on if you're doing kidney kidney injections, try to go retroperitoneal. Try to go into that perirenal fossa. I think that that's uh, going to put it right next to the kidney and should be good. I know Anne talks about directing her IP injection toward the site that she's after on pancreas if she's doing pancreatitis cats high right side. So. She's uh, she tries to direct it and then kind of massage those areas to kind of coat the coat the areas uh, kidneys same thing but um, the PRP to me is magic magic stuff it is stem cell helper I refer to it as stem cell as a stem cell light if I have people that are considering stem cells for arthritis but they don't want to pull the trigger as far as it's too much money for them right now. And we want to do something for the, for the animal, go ahead and inject PRP in those joints. It's going to give them relief. It's going to help. It's not going to last nearly as long as stem cells, but it certainly gives the owner something to see as far as how much improvement their pet's going to have. So it's a, it's a really, um, to me, to me, it's a it's a positive thing you can you can do for that animal. It's going to help the animal. It's uh, still not a, a ton of money for the for the owner, and you're doing something for the animal. So I hope I didn't dance too awful much around that question. So the for for me for me using as much PRP on these animals as I can is a is a positive.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And like we always say, well, like we always say, Doctor Snyder, it's priceless, right?
1: Priceless. That's Dr. <laughs> Newland's favorite phrase. Priceless. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I think, uh, I, think, I think that's it for tonight. Uh, Dr. Snyder, I really appreciate you coming on and fielding some questions. Not a problem. Talking a little it's bit about right. the Bank Now Save Later program. It's always, that's going to be, I think you're going to see, like I was
1: saying, if, if there's a way to roll it into the price of a spare neuter, because really, there's you're not going to have as far as surgery time for the for the veterinarian. Not going to be a, a whole lot more time as far as a spay for a neuter if they if they have enough of the inguinal fat. You can just get some fat, and a lot of these animals are fat enough. You can just peel enough fat out to do that. Um, on a spay, you're right there at the false form anyway. Just collect some false form, you're done. You have very little additional time in your, on your spay, so. As far as veterinary time, it's not going to take much time. The cost to the owner, I think we can justify that, and especially if insurance companies will come through and help you on that. So uh, that may be something to look into.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Snyder. And we will see everybody next month on another episode of MediVet Roundtable. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening in to Medivet Roundtable. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on all of our latest content. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Medivet Biologics. And for more testimonials or information, visit our Facebook page or go to medivetbiologics.com.